Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, August 15th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. equities slid on Wednesday after China and Germany revealed disappointing economic data. Meanwhile, WeWork unveiled its prospectus for a $3 to $4 billion initial public offering later this year. The FT's Eric Platt explains what the company's rapid growth and ballooning losses mean for the property group. Then I'll get to the rest of the day's headlines. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. stocks slid on Wednesday as investor fears mounted over slowing global growth and the possibility of an impending recession. The FT's U.S. capital markets correspondent, Richard Henderson, has more. Wednesday was tricky. There was some economic data from China and Germany that wasn't very attractive. And we saw what we've seen throughout the year is investors getting worried about global growth. Are we moving towards a global recession? And so we saw stocks sell off sharply in the US by nearly 3% for the S&P 500. And we saw the all-important yield curve invert for a critical slice of the yield curve, which is the difference between two-year bonds and 10-year bonds. So for a brief moment, it became more attractive to hold two-year debt than 10-year debt. So investors weren't being rewarded for holding debt for longer periods of time. And that is a signal that we're very close to a recession. That is one reason that the market sold off. It was really investors removing risk by moving from equities into bonds. And the 30-year Treasury bond from the U.S. government reached its lowest ever level of yield, and it's dancing on the 2% mark. And that's a real warning sign that investors are rushing into the safest debt possible. What investors will be looking for on Thursday is whether we see a rebound in the stock market, because we've seen that with some of the big drop-offs in terms of daily stock market moves downward in the last few weeks. WeWork is preparing to become the latest private unicorn to hit the public market. The office space provider unveiled its prospectus for the IPO on Wednesday, aiming to raise 3 to $4 billion. It could float as early as September. The FT's Eric Platt explains what else the property group revealed yesterday. One of the big headlines was their losses continue to mount. They reported a loss of over $900 million in the first half of the year. That's up from about $720 million last year. At the same time, revenues keep growing at more than 100% a year. It's kind of growth that you don't even see at Uber and Lyft. And that is a big part of their story to investors. Some of the other big takeaways were how they're structuring the transaction, the advisors they decided on, which we've you know been following for a long time. There's been a big bake-off on Wall Street to see who could win the coveted lead-left mandate on this. We learned about new shares and options that Adam Newman, the co-founder and chief executive, has been granted. Things about succession planning, new loans that the company is taking out as part of the offering. So it was a, it was a lot. Eric, just last week, you and I chatted about WeWork's unique structure that it's using for its IPO. How did the upsea factor into what we learned on Wednesday? So it, it's actually quite central to the IPO. And it's fascinating because actually one of the things I forgot that this revealed was kind of this multi-class share structure that WeWork will have. It'll have A, B, and C shares. The A shares are kind of what the public would buy in the IPO. And those shares will get you a share in kind of the we company. When I should say those A shares have one vote per share. 
The B shares, which are predominantly owned by Adam, as well as one of the other co-founders, Miguel, carry 20 votes per share. Interestingly, just a month ago, they only carried 10 votes a share. So they're even cementing his control of the company further in this IPO. And then the C shares actually have to do with what we were just talking about, this up-C structure. It's called an umbrella partnership corporation. So you're an investor in the IPO, you're buying a share in the holding company. Adam himself and a few other early investors will hold their shares predominantly actually in a separate partnership that provides them with great tax benefits potentially in the future if the company is profitable. What did you learn about the stock options? Um, So as part of the S1, we learned about the options that were granted earlier this year to Adam Newman and some of the other senior leadership team there. And it's more than 40 million stock options, which could be worth anyone's guess, minimum hundreds of millions of dollars, probably many times in excess of that. And a good portion of that is predicated on WeWork hitting certain valuation targets when it's a publicly traded company. Whether that means its shares are trading at a level that gives it a market valuation of 50 billion or 90 billion. But if they can hit that, they are like Adam primarily is standing to gain tens of millions of new shares that will be, you know, just hugely valuable in the future. And how did people react to what came out from WeWork yesterday? Well, it was interesting. Almost in tandem with the IPO hitting the SEC's website, rating agency Fitch downgraded the company. It was double B minus. It's now single B, which is, you know, many notches below investment grade territory. And some of the risks that they were raising was that they had expected WeWork to kind of move towards profitability much sooner. And they said, actually, we're finding the opposite. WeWork is pushing further to invest in new spaces, to kind of grow their membership ranks, to open dozens and dozens and dozens of new properties every year. In fact, within the prospectus, they said, you know, they've got 1.9 million workstations or their term for like a desk where someone could sit that are in development right now. To give you some contrast, they have 527,000 members currently. So just kind of think of that. They're more than tripling, quadrupling their size. And they're already the the largest tenant in New York City. Exactly, exactly. And so the fear from Fitch is actually like, you know, we expected you to be profitable at, you know, X number of years in the future. We have to add four or five years to that now. Um, And that's putting, you know, some risk on the credit. The bonds, interestingly, rallied today. And this has to do with, you know, one, there's this new loan facility coming in. So a lot of banks are ponying up money to back WeWork. Those banks are also advising on the IPO, so they'll be earning a fee there. And as well as the IPO itself, right? Like that'll give the company a market capitalization. So if, and some equity. So if there's, you know, hard times, in theory, that equity gets wiped out first before the bondholders. But yeah, Fitch was um, quite downbeat on the credit implications of all this. And in other news, UK Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn has set out a proposal to form a temporary government. It came in a letter to leaders of the other opposition parties and senior backbench MPs. It would request an extension to Article 50, which triggered the Brexit process in an effort to avoid a no-deal exit on October 31st. Mr. Corbyn said he intends to bring forward a no-confidence motion in Boris Johnson's government and then form the temporary government with the aim of calling a general election. Canada's ethics watchdog has found that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau violated conflict of interest law. The Independent Ethics Commissioner released a report on Wednesday accusing Mr. Trudeau of being the only public official, quote, able to exert influence over the Attorney General in her decision to intervene in a matter relating to a criminal prosecution. Mr. Trudeau's government has come under fire for its conduct in the case involving engineering company SNC-Lavalin. 
the controversy has become a focal point in the run-up to Canada's federal election in October. The Prime Minister took full responsibility for his role in the matter, but refused to apologize. PayPal is ramping up its presence in India. The U.S.-listed payments company is looking to capitalize on a surging demand in digital payments from the country's 415 million mobile users. This comes as growth is slowing in the U.S. and Europe. One of the biggest issues for PayPal is the number of people who give up on their online purchases just before clicking the buy button. So to get those users across the finish line, PayPal has developed new one-click technology in an India-only trial. It dispenses with the multiple authentication steps that push customers away. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following Alibaba. The Chinese e-commerce giant is set to report quarterly earnings. It'll be the last batch for founder Jack Ma, who is preparing to step down as chairman next month. Walmart is also due to report results today. And we'll be keeping an eye on U.S. industrial production figures and retail sales data. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Business. To learn more, what would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA, copyright 2024.